if what I'm about to say offends you, I do not apologize. I don't. Last week, um, I really felt, and I was telling my wife this, I said, man, when I was touching on abortion, I felt like for a moment God took my heart and gave me his. And I was passionately pleading, not for those who have committed it, but for those who are considering it. And um, throughout this week, we received two messages, uh, one phone call, another message from some sisters who said, I, I was watching your sermon and I didn't know how, how I could afford to keep this child. I, I knew that the father of this child was not going to be there and I considered that this would be my only option. And after hearing the message about how God sees it and prefos baby in the womb is the same outside of the womb. I made the decision to go full term with this child and not have an abortion. So for me, I was like, God, thank you. I don't know what you have for that child's life. I don't know what the purpose for that child's life is, but somebody felt led after hearing the word. See, it's one thing to come to church and hear the word. It's another thing to respond to respond. And another sister came and said, you know what? I was going to do it as well. I canceled the appointment and I'm going to go full term. And I said, God, thank you for allowing the word. I know some people don't like it, but heaven rejoices because God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And during my devotion time, preparing for Thanksgiving and this particular, particular sermonic journey, there was these few scriptures that kind of blessed me, and I want to share them with you. Is it okay if I do that? Yes. But they're like four scriptures, and I'm going to tell you why they blessed me so much in just a second. It's because they contain one of my favorite words throughout the whole Bible. The first scripture comes from Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It may be a familiar passage of scripture. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then I hopped over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and it said, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And then Acts chapter 13, verse 29, it says, When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb, but... God raised him from the dead. Then Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The reason I wanted to start that off with you is because as I was reading this, it reminded me of one of my favorite words in the Bible, and that word is but. <laughs> but that conjunction, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Y'all remember that? That conjunction applied to my life, and that conjunction applied to my brother's life, and that conjunction applied to my sister's life. Let's go ahead and be prophetic. That conjunction applied to your unborn children's life. That conjunction applied to your future marriage. That conjunction applied to your current life and your children's life. I have a sneaky suspicion on this Sunday afternoon that I'm not the only one who can look back over their life. 
and recognize that one of the most pivotal words that was added to your story is the word but. You do not have the right to remain silent for this introduction part of this sermonic journey. Can I get somebody to shout at your boy, but? I know the word but may be a little comedic to some, unusual, unorthodox, or maybe even anomalous. But if it had not been for Jesus dying on the cross, we would not even have a but added to our story. And I think we forget that sometimes our God specializes in adding a but to our story. He's the God of a conjunction. Just in case some people forgot, let me help you and break it down. Somebody took their last breath on last night, but y'all talk to me. Somebody shout, but. God saw it fit to allow you and to allow I to remain in the land of the living, to see another sunrise of grace, to see another sunrise of mercy. I don't know why he gave me another chance, but I'm thankful that he specializes in adding a but to our story. I'm going to keep going. Sometimes your life gets hard. Sometimes you go through trials and sometimes you go through storms. Yes, you might be under attack. Somebody say but. But you're also under the blood. Why do I feel myself getting happy already? I'm blood covered. I have blood insurance. I have my God who is, has his angels encamped all around about me. Our God specializes in adding a but to your story. I'm going to keep going. Yes, they left you. They left you without even giving you closure, huh? They went and ghost on you. Somebody shout but. But God promised he will never leave you nor forsake you and that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yes, we might be a little crazy sometime, but God's not going anywhere. Yes, we might have some insecurities, but God's not going anywhere. And many of us haven't recognized that God's methodology is let me remove them now so I won't have to remove the knife from your back later. Did y'all hear what I just said? Let me remove them now so I don't have to remove the knife from your back later. Because I heard the conversations they were having behind your back. And loyalty should not require your presence. I don't know, Pastor. I just keep, I keep comparing myself. Don't you understand? Everybody who's in, insecure. Let me talk to you. Insecure and you're comparing yourself to what people post. You are comparing yourself to somebody who has to use five apps and three filters before they can post a picture. There are five apps and three filters that they have to use before they post it. It is our blemishes that reveal our authenticity. He's the God that adds a but to your story. The God of a conjunction. The devil says, look at your sin." You're disqualified. Somebody shout at your boy, but. God says, look at my son. You've been certified. And I think we need to pause for a second, pull over, park, put a quarter in the meter, and let's give God a praise in the house for all of the buts that he added to your story. But the bullet didn't hit me. But I didn't lose my mind. But I still have my sanity. But I'm still in the land of the living. But my God redeemed me. But I'm going to be with him one day. But I know that you thought it was a period. But if you look a little closer, it's a comma. Which means to be continued. 
but. Father, we thank you for being the God who adds a but to our story. For truly without you, we would be lost. Father, all the study, all the prayer means absolutely nothing if you aren't magnified, if you aren't glorified. I pray, oh God, that you anoint me as your oracle, the PA system, the soundtrack of heaven. And may this message penetrate the hearts of your people so that they can see you and not my anatomy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer will just shout in the room, amen. amen. I want to finish this conversation. Last week was kind of spicy, huh? Well, we're going to continue the conversation, Sex Trap Part 3. It wasn't even supposed to be a Part 3. Just the Holy Spirit came and just wrecked, and we were talking about all types of stuff, and I couldn't get to the part where we were talking about how to be free from it. So we're going to deal heavily with that, but there's this confession that I would like for us to say, and everybody watching online, could you put this in the room in all caps? Can I get everybody to say, Father, Father help me gain... Self-control, resistance, and self-government. I don't want to make choices that make cycles. One more time. Father, help me gain self-control, resistance, and self-government. I don't want to make choices that form cycles. If you're ready, would you put your hands together in the house? I don't want to make choices that form cycles. There are these three biblical icons that are going to teach us. They're going to come to the podium. In fact, Jerry is going to take a seat. There's these three biblical icons that are going to preach to us this afternoon. And we're going to look at their life. And we're going to see from their story what happens when you allow lust to be your landlord. The, the, the first biblical icon that we're going to consider comes from 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. We're talking about King David. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, at the time when kings go off to war, at the time when kings go off to war. That's important. Mental bookmark that. David sent Joab... Out with the king's men and the whole Israel army, they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. At the time when kings go to war, but David remained in Jerusalem. If I was a note taker, I would write this down. You will always end up in unnecessary fights when you are out of position. He was supposed to be at war, but he found himself in an internal war because he was out of position. I don't understand why we keep having all these issues. Um, sis, he is a married man. He's not your husband. And you will always, it's going to get real in here today. We're going to help you digest your Thanksgiving food. And you will always experience unnecessary fights when you are out of position. Side note, God is never going to send you somebody who is somebody else's. Men and women included. 
We just fight so much. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how we keep giving in to sexual sin. Okay, what did you think would happen at 2 and 3 in the morning when you kiki keying in his face? And she kiki keying in your face. Your flesh is a shark. Therefore, being alone in her apartment is water. You will always end up in unnecessary fights when you are out of position. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. If the breathed word of God, if the logos says that she was beautiful, Bathsheba had to be fine. <laughs> saw her bathing. This is kind of like our first glimpse in scripture of pornography. I'm, I'm looking at her naked, and I wondered, did she know David was watching? Like, was she covering up because it was the king, or was she giving David a little show? I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I just wondered, did she know that David was watching? David saw this fine woman in verse 3, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man says, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Somebody shout red flag. Red flag. God always gives you a red flag before you make the decision. Yeah. That was it. She's married, bruh. She's off limits. But here's the thing. Lust always causes for us to change God's red flag as a green light. Talk, Holy Spirit. Or put it this way, lust causes for us to walk around with a paintbrush. And every time we see a red flag, we paint it green. Lust. This is Uriah's wife. Then David sent messengers to go get her. He don't care. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself for her, from her monthly uncleanliness, speaking of her menstrual cycle. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. I am pregnant. See, this is where it gets dirty. Because when we get involved with dirt, we have to keep using dirt to cover up dirt. <laughs> have to keep using dirt. So what we're seeing right here from this passage of Scripture, we're going to park right here. We're seeing a man that scripture accredits, accredits to being a man after God's own heart succumb to sexual temptation. Now, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, his son. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Certain translations say strange. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, this, this man loved a lot of ites, okay? They were from the nations which the Lord had said and told Israel, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your heart after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. You must not intermarry with them, Solomon. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Here's the quintessential question. What are you in love with that's turning your heart? Now we're seeing the wealthiest man in the whole text and the wisest man in the whole text both 
fall to temptation. A man who loves God falls to sexual temptation. And a man who's wise, more wise than anybody who's walked the earth, has also fallen to temptation. And you think you strong, bruh? Let's keep going. Um, Judges chapter 16. These are the three icons that we're going to use. Judges chapter 16, verse 1. It says, one day Samson went into Gaza where he saw a prostitute. What? He went in to spend the night with her. See, we think this was Delilah's issue. Samson already was having this lust issue in Timnah, and he already was having this lust issue with this prostitute. You know that you have a lust issue when you see a prostitute, and you're like, okay, it's about to go down. (laughs) The people of Gaza were told Samson is here, so they surrounded the place and laid in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we will kill him. But Samson laid there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took a hold of the doors of the city gate together with two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hiram. Sometime later, he fell in love with the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Somebody say, uh-oh. uh-oh. Same pattern with Solomon, women you're not supposed to intermarry with. Why? Because they are not covenant people. These are people who would turn your heart. Look, notice Samson is fallen in the same trap. The ruler of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may be able to tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you some bread if you could do it. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me your strength. What's the secret to your great strength and how can you be tied up and subdued? Samson answered, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that have not yet been dried and she tied him with them. I'm wondering, bro, you don't feel this? (laughs) With the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snapped when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. I want you to hop down to verse 18. This this goes back and forth. What's the secret to your strength if you do this? What's the secret to your strength if you do this? And he keeps lying to her. He eventually tells her the truth. I want you to look at verse 18 through 21 says, when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistine, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the ruler of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. Park right here. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. 
Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with brown shackles. They set him to grind grain in the prison. There are three things I want you to learn about the spirit of Delilah. I think the church speaks too much about the spirit of Jezebel and not enough about the spirit of Delilah. And here's a curveball for you. The spirit of Delilah is not just a woman. The spirit of Delilah very much so can be a man. A man can very much so have a Jezebel-like spirit. So notice, what does Delilah use? She uses sex. Why? Because she's after your strength. Your God-given gift. What's your strength? I want to take your strength. That's the first thing she's after. The second thing the spirit of Delilah does, she keeps you in warfare. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Bro, you haven't noticed every time you go over this woman's house, you end up in war? And the third thing is the methodology of hell. They blind him and bind him. What does the enemy want us to be? Blinded and bound. So I can't see a temptation coming before me. I can't see a cautioning of God, and I can't fight back because I'm bound. The spirit of Delilah will use sex to bind you and blind you and take your strength and keep you engaged in warfare. What we see from these three biblical icons, please hear me, a man who loves God fell to sexual temptation. A man who was wise fell to sexual temptation. And a man who was strong fell to sexual temptation. What makes you think that you could handle it if we see in the text your strength doesn't matter, how much you love Jesus doesn't matter, and how much wisdom you have doesn't matter? What it's going to take is the fear of God. self Control. Why are we having this conversation? It's because, number one, I recognize this is an area where a lot of us are struggling. We're struggling, and whenever we have secrets and we're not addressing them, we will have secret warfares. And we don't know how to be free because we're scared of judgment. I want to help us because I recognize that there is a struggle that exists between craving and calling. I spent the first half of this year, four months, trying to get us to understand that you have a destiny. Why did I want you to understand that? Because if you don't know your destiny, you will respond to your cravings. But if you know your calling, you will respond to your calling. And when you know your calling, you'll live like an answer, so you'll send cravings to voicemail. This is so good, y'all. But if I don't know my assignment, if I don't know my role in this season, if I don't know my mission, if I don't know my mandate, I will always answer my cravings. What keeps us from resisting the craving is the calling. So somebody may want to know, how, like, okay, that's great. How do I get free from porn, though? How do I get free from lusting? Pornography. You want me to tell you the number one way you can start to be free from it? Shine a light on it. See, lust is strengthened through concealment. Ooh, it's getting quiet in here. The reason the addiction, the addiction is so strong is because it's secret. 
I'm trying to help somebody. Your porn addiction has a hold on you because there's no light on it. And the only way it stays in power is when it's in darkness. Just you and your smartphone. Nobody knows about it. Y'all think I'm just giving you my opinion. Let me give you Bible. Um, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. This is Bible, y'all. This is the text. People who have no light on it, they won't prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So this is something that God revealed to me in my journey because I'm open and transparent. I'm transparent and translucent. In my pornography battle, when I wanted to be free from it, I recognized this was the chain. It was nobody knew about it. Who could I allow to shine a light on it? Can I mess y'all up? You talking it out through prayer is for forgiveness. You talking it out through community and your accountability partner is for healing. This is so good, y'all. God help me. That's for forgiveness. An accountability partner is for healing. More Bible so y'all can see I'm not up here just preaching my philosophy. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person. So it's letting you know, don't just take this to a ratchet person. Don't just take this to Facebook. Don't just take this to Instagram. They don't care about you. A righteous person. Why? Because their prayer has power and it produces wonderful results. I'm trying to help somebody. The reason you're so addicted, there's no light on it. Swole because nobody knows. Craving and calling. I have a list. I told you I want to help. I want to give us some steps and some guides so we can understand this. So what is craving? Number one, your craving is what you want to do. But what is calling? Calling is what you're born to do, okay? Craving is a temporary satisfaction. Calling is eternal fulfillment. The temporary satisfaction, you telling me you're going to waste three minutes and cause yourself to deal with it for three decades. It's a temporary satisfaction. If you can learn, your lust comes in impulses. It's not going to last. It's just going to impulse. Don't feed it. It subsides because the flesh is never satisfied. The eternal fulfillment is to choose the greater good. Craving is moment focused. Calling is generational focused. How is this going to affect, uh, uh, impact and affect my children? Generational focused. Your craving is what's in sight. Your calling is what's the vision. This is so good, y'all. Why can't you resist temptation? What's your vision? What's your vision? What's your goal? What are you aiming at? If you have no target, you'll live life aimless. What's the vision? Your craving, what pleases me? Your calling, what pleases God? Your craving, Give in to it. 
Your calling empowers you to have the, a resistance. So I want us to see this chart. I told you I want to give us steps, okay? I want to show you Hale's plan. So Carl, put up the first chart of Hale's plan. I want us to get this clear on how the enemy does this, okay? The first thing the enemy wants to do is he wants perversion to be your first teacher. I want to get to a first. I want to make sure that I get to them first because if I get to them first, then after I get to them first, I can normalize perversion. I will give them friends who are just as perverted. I will cause for them to have school systems that are just as perverted. I will cause for them to go to churches ooh, that are just as perverted. I want to normalize perversion so they'll never think it's a problem. After he normalizes perversion, then he wants to reinforce perversion. A lot of us are slaves to perversion due to your subscriptions. Your subscriptions, what you're watching on your smartphone is causing for you to be spiritually dumb. How are you going to allow your smartphone to make you dumb? It's causing for us to make dumb decisions. I'm reinforcing it with ads. I'm reinforcing it. Here's a side note. I, I challenge everybody, look who you follow on Instagram. A brother takes interest in you, look who he follows. That don't mean nothing. Yes, it does. What am I reinforcing in my spirit or what am I reinforcing in my lust? I want to reinforce perversion. Why? So I can have past perversion pass it down. I want to get to them first. Now, I want to show you the kingdom design. This is so good, y'all. I want to show you the kingdom design. The kingdom design is your parents or your first teacher. Not me. Nobody say nothing. Not me. Not children's church. Not vacation Bible school. You parents who have children are supposed to be the first ones to train your children up. Let me give you a Bible because y'all looking at me like something stank. Okay, Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipleship is supposed to start at home. Unfortunately, for many of us, perversion came from our parents. It came from our parents, but the kingdom design, our parents are supposed to cultivate this. You know why? Because after parents teach you first, then we can normalize godliness. Let me cause you to be around godly people. You're not the only one who's practicing abstinence. You're, all your friends are. Everybody. You can call up your homie and say, hey, bro, tonight was kind of tough. He can say, yeah, it was tough for me too. Let's hit up the gym, bro. Who do you call? And who do you have who can shine a light on your struggle? It's so strong because it's so dark. Normalize godliness. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. It says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. We come here and we are normalizing godliness. Why? Because I need some like-minded believers. And the reason I need like-minded friends is so that I'm not struggling to hang with you. 
Why is it when one of your dudes get in the car, you on 97.9? But if I ride with you, you listen to Kurt Franklin, Lecrae, KB, Maverick City. No, do you. Be you. I'm not God. I'm just coming to shine a light on it. You know those friends that will help you be dark. Some of us, yo, boo, ooh, some of us, your relationship, the only thing y'all have in common is darkness. If you were to remove the sex, y'all don't even know each other. You don't even know this person's middle name. You don't even know their passions. You don't know their pursuits. All you know is we have darkness in common. And sermons like this irritate you because I'm shining the light on it. And there are married couples who don't know each other because the only thing they had in common was an orgasm exchange. And so now we have people who don't have purposeful unions. They just have pleasure meets because that's all we have. But I promise you, when you recognize they have no character, you're not going to want to give them none. When you recognize that it's dark and we can't pay the bills because they don't have any stewardship, sex don't matter to them. When you recognize that they'll cuss you out and they don't have any control over their tongue, you don't want to have sex then. But you overlook that during the dating phase because culture tells you to hate light and love darkness normalize normalize godliness so I can have like minded believers where we can have an inheritance of godliness my children could see my daughter could see how she's supposed to be treated because she watches how I treat Tanisha she doesn't have to watch Lifetime and all these false Christmas stories that's going to make her think a Prince Charming is going to come save her. No, Jesus came and saved you. Kings don't look for damsels in distress. We look for helpmeets. Disney lied to us. Why did Disney always end happily ever after? That's probably why the sequels are always whack. <laughs> what happens after they go to the castle? <laughs> So we were talking about one of the most powerful and amazing gifts that God originally designed to be shared between husband and wife. Remember last week, I put my foot on the gas hard. Not your boo, not your bae, not your zaddy, not your sugar daddy. One of, one, of the, one of the most powerful gifts that God originally designed to be shared between husband and wife is the gift of sex. Why are we talking about this after Thanksgiving and in church? Because sex is a God idea. Sex is a God design. And sex is a gift from God. Our problem is we are allowing porn stars and perversion to give us instructions on how to unwrap it. Did y'all hear what I just said? Sex is a gift from God. Why are we allowing porn stars and perversion to try to instruct us how to unwrap it? That's like trying to get swimming lessons from drowning people. <laughs> OnlyFans didn't make this. Hugh Hefner didn't make this. Why are you trying to get swimming lessons from people who are drowning? And so what has happened is we have become tourists of sexual perversion. Whatever God gives man, the enemy always attempts to influence man to pervert it. And what is perversion? It's the misuse of the purpose of a thing. I don't have perversion. Okay. Perversion is the misuse of the purpose of a thing. I taught this in March. What is purpose? It's the reason for the existence of a thing. 
The reason that all of us are still alive right now, you still have blood flowing through your arteries, your cardiac activity is still operational, is because there is something you're supposed to do while you are in time. You are not an accident. There's no cosmic collision, no big bang. You are here on purpose. Before you in your mother's womb, God gave you an assignment and a calling, and he knew you. You have a purpose. The purpose of these lights is to remove a darkness problem. The purpose of that camera in the back is to remove a distance problem. People all over the world can be a part of this service because of that camera. Now, if I take that camera and use it as a plunger, <laughs> what am I doing? I'm perverting the purpose of the thing. So not only will I not be able to unclog the toilet, I then will affect the purpose of that camera. And when I put it in a position to be able to, to, be able to perform like it's supposed to, it will have malfunctions, dysfunctions, glitches, because I tried to make it work in something it wasn't designed to do. What are we experiencing in our marriages? Malfunctions and glitches because we operated before marriage in perversion. And what is perversion? It is the misuse of the purpose of a thing. Preach, Holy Spirit. And so we're struggling in covenant because of before covenant. It's, it's one of the most beautiful gifts that God gave. And we are perverting love with lust. We're making love. No, you're not. God is love, and he's not in what y'all making. Strongholds, maybe. Not in that. Love gives. Lust, oh, it takes. Love, it serves. But lust depletes. Love sacrifices, but lust hoards. An accurate biblical definition of love can be found via the scriptures. Jesus says it in John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus is saying love is sacrifice. Can I mess y'all up? We know how to lay our body down, but we don't know how to lay down the attitude, though. <laughs> yeah, you, you know how to lay your body down, and let me touch your body. You know how to lay your body down, <laughs> but you don't know how to lay down the attitude and that popping your neck and grabbing air and getting ready to fight every time you don't like something. You know how to lay your body down, but you don't know how to lay your arrogance down. Jesus said true biblical love is the ability to sacrifice. I'm like, okay, in a world that overexposes the body, how about, let's have kingdoms, how about let's have kingdom standards that cause us to maintain the mystery? So good, y'all. In a world that overexposes bodies, how about we have kingdom standards that maintains the mystery? I don't know what your cleavage looks like. Because your standard maintains the mystery. You don't know what his body looks like. Because your kingdom, his kingdom standards maintains the mystery. Let me put it this way. Modesty is to maintain the mystery. You don't know what this feels like, looks like, tastes like. You don't know none of the like. Because I haven't said I do. Maintain the mystery. Why are you preaching so hard on this? Because... 
God can't bless what his word forbids. He can't. This is good, y'all. He can't bless what his word forbids. My marriage feels like it's on life support. Y'all don't submit to one another, nor do y'all honor each other. He says, honor each other so that your prayers won't be hindered. I cannot bless what my word forbids. God, is this your will? You don't even talk to me, sis. Is this your will, God? You don't even talk to me, bro. I can't bless what my word forbids. Oh, pastor, you don't understand, though. I'm a snack. <laughs> I'm a whole snack. If you a snack, sis, why is everybody taking a bite? All right. Right. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sorry. My generation requires real. <laughs> we require. I'm a whole snack. Brother's like, I didn't eat that. <laughs> I didn't have that. I, are you a snack though, for real? <laughs> I'm just trying to convince us that love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not butterflies in your stomach. And the way that culture is, they don't even hand out butterflies anymore. They hand out mosquitoes, sucking the life out of your peace and sucking the life out of your joy. Ooh, this is hitting. Sucking the life out of your devotion time. I believe there's a sound people that want to be able to experience God's will. I'm tired of counterfeits, and I'm tired of wasting my good years on bad fruit. I don't want to waste any more of my good time on bad fruit. If it's not yours, reveal it. Never feel bad for severing a connection when it was God who gave you the scissors. If it requires for me to be fake to be there, I'm not going to be there. I'm tired of fakery. I want genuine. I want authentic. I want the oil. I want the power of God on my life. I want him to bless my covenant. I want him to bless my pursuits. And we need biblical teaching like this, not opinions. So here's some questions that I would ask myself as we're pursuing purity. First question is this decision going to reflect my body being a temple? Just, you could write these down. Would this decision I'm about to make reflect my body being a temple? Or would it cause for my body to come off more like a hotel? Because we're pursuing purity. Purity is not just not having sex. It's the resistance of defilement. Number two, is this decision going to help me operate with dominion over my flesh? This decision I'm about to make, will it help me operate with dominion over my flesh and surrender to the Holy Spirit? Going over there, will that help me operate with dominion? Over my flesh? I don't care if it's as small as you in an H-E-B line and that Snickers bar saying, by me. <laughs> by me you have a personal goal 5, 10, 15 pounds whatever it may be you have a goal have you formulated a pattern of training your flesh I run this number three what do you this is for singles what do you have in common outside of history sex and them curing your loneliness Ouch. What do, we, what do we have in common? We've known each other since high school. So? 
You can know a devil a long time. <laughs> Sex and them curing my loneliness. Because what you should desire is a purpose partner, not a pleasure dummy. Okay? Number four. I heard you, Tracy. Number four. Would I want them to be the sponsor of my bloodline? I've been pushing this for the last four weeks hard because I need us to understand your name matters. Your name matters. Of course, we lift up the name above every name, but Scripture tells us clearly in Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name. What is that? Earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is to be desired more than great riches. Culture is telling you, get a high-value man or woman. The Bible is saying, do they have a good name? Do they know me? See, and I, I say this with humility. When my wife and I finish our book, Heart Rehab, just the flower's name markets the book. You see? We do something stupid, then it messes up the name. God forgives. People don't. God forgives. People remind. A good name. I know he's attractive, but what will this do to my legacy three and four generations down the line? If we think like that before we have orgasm exchanges, when you walk in the room, you might just walk out. All right. A good, <laughs> a good name earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than great riches. Watch this. And favor is better than silver and gold. I want the favor of God on my life, y'all. Am I talking to anybody? Anybody, I want the favor? <laughs> I want favor. I don't want just cute pictures. I want favor. Favor takes you places hustling can't. Favor is that tall assistant that gets off the top shelf what everybody's reaching for, but they're not favored for. Some doors open just because you're favored. Some opportunities happen just because you're favored. It's the God factor. I want the favor of God on my life and on my relationships. Five, could I submit to that? Have you known them long enough to see them in any other season besides spring? Because if you only seen them in spring, the season of fall might shock you. When they start losing stuff, losing jobs, and losing career, and losing loved ones. Do you know who they really are when they embrace loss? Have you seen them in every season? Sometimes it's not that people always change. It's seasons expose what was in them. This is so good, man. Number six. <laughs> is this a lord suit or a lawsuit? Is she a lord suit or a lawsuit? This is for brothers, okay? God said that Eve is going to be a suitable helper. Like wives, kingdom wives, ribs, they're like a three-piece suit. They got your back, they protect your heart, and they protect your vision. Okay? Lord suit. A lawsuit, this sister going to make you catch a case. <laughs> Maybe literal one. 
case of a bad headache, case of insomnia, case of stress? Is this a Lord suit or, or a lawsuit? Because remember, married problems were single problems that were never dealt with. Was there ever a time where you had self-control? What is self-control, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Self-control is the mastery of no. Have you mastered no? People pleasers, this is rough for you. Have you mastered the ability to say no? That's what self-control is. To exuberate that fruit of the Spirit that Galatians 5 tells us about, self-control, I have mastered no. Now, you're not going to master no without fasting. You're not. That is deliberately training yourself. All this stuff that some churches preach and fast for a house and fast for a car, that's not biblical. We're fasting to turn down the volume of our flesh, and we're fasting for repentance. Fasting, that, that strengthens your no. And if I was a single person, if I was a single person, I would really take heed to this. Is he or she a servant? Because sex is supposed to be a serving experience. Where do they serve when they don't get paid or honored? Because intimacy is better when you're with a servant. Married people can't say amen, I know. But intimacy is better when you're with a servant. Because I have spent a pattern in my life learning how to serve others. And that brings me fulfillment. What makes sex so pleasurable is we are both serving one another. I can't tell you how many marriages are in horror because what is private in single bedrooms goes public in married bedrooms. And we're struggling because of what we thought was okay while we were single. Now when you have a real person, not a virtual image, not your rose, not your bullet, I don't know how to respond because like that camera, I'm having malfunctions and glitches. Because during singleness, I carried myself like a plunger. This is tough, y'all, but I know it helped us. This is what I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known that healing and unlearning comes with grieving. I never knew that. Like when I'm trying to heal from this lust, healing and unlearning comes with grieving. I'm grieving a pattern that brought me comfort that can't go with me to the next level. I was a little moody in college. Not because anybody had did anything, but because the withdrawals from porn was real. It was tough. I'm grieving over what I thought would be forever. That's somebody. The relationship I thought would be forever. I'm grieving. Healing and unlearning is married to grieving. It is literally a death. A death to yourself. Jesus says, no greater love than this than he who lays down his life for a friend. Lay down your selfishness. Lay down your pride. Lay, lay down your arrogance. Lay down your entitlement. Lay down how you think things should be. Lay down your greed. Lay it down. That's when love is revealed. So stop telling me you love me if there's no resume of laying something down. You're my friend. What have they laid down? No greater love than this, than he who lays down his life for a friend. The first point we dealt with last week was the enemy uses the sex trap 
to keep strongholds in the blood, meaning I have to have a womb and I have to have a seed. The reason I need those is because sex is the tollway of strongholds. I can't keep it in my children if I don't have children. It's the tollway. The trap the enemy uses is sex, and he uses it to keep strongholds in the bloodline. Number two, we touched on this and we ran out of time. He uses the sex trap to perpetuate a narrative of broken households. And I was speaking about the single homes and single parent homes, but the part I didn't get to was he uses adultery. That's how I keep the narrative of broken households in the earth. I use unfaithfulness. So here's the thing. If I tell my husband, wives, when I get home, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, do it when you get home. I was serious last Sunday. I'm serious this week. Keep your word. When you don't, that arises insecurity in him. Let me put my foot on the gas a little more. He shouldn't always initiate. You do it. One clap, Herbert. One. <laughs> I mean, after a while, he's like, hey, babe. Hey, babe. This brother clean and doing it. Hey, babe. How about you initiate? Because Delilah does. Okay? That, that, that seductress on the job, they initiate. Life wreckers, they initiate. See, we tell the church what not to do for so long that when you can do, you don't do. <laughs> initiate. It's okay now. Now, brothers, before we're like, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe she doesn't initiate because she doesn't like it. Every man thinks that they could kill it in the bedroom. We do. We, we don't feel as though I need to be taught. It's just once puberty hit, I know what to do. I'm the man. What if she doesn't like it? I challenge all married couples. Ask each other, once you leave, do you feel served when we have sex? Do, do you feel loved? Maybe she feels like you're treating her like the plunger. No love, no value. Like I said last Sunday, she don't want to be choked. Porn taught you that. She may not mind you smacking it, but that was kind of hard, bruh. <laughs> I'm trying to be real, y'all. I'm trying to help people. She doesn't like it. It's not pleasurable for her. I did some research, and I was like, okay, first, this comes from Wade L.D., The Absence of Orgasm for Women and Women in Healthcare Archive. In the Journal of Sex Research of Salisbury and W.A. Fisher, it says that 49% and 68% of women report having no orgasm, but 95% of men do. How you been married for 16 years and she hasn't had an orgasm? See, somebody said, don't even notice. Y'all preaching. Bro, you so out of tune that you can't see your wife is like, bruh. This is not good, sir. Are you, are you done? Are you, are you done? Like, <laughs> she's not enjoying it. <laughs> this is true, y'all. I promise it'll help people. Now, look, look. 
Research shows, though, however, committed married women have 69% of experience in orgasms, while those who only have casual partners and one-night stands, 34%. So as a man, I'm thinking it takes more than just sex. No spirit involved. This is just my logical self. Okay, for 95% of men to meet a woman they don't even know, and they can have an orgasm, and 36% of women can only do that, this might require something that the Bible calls dwell with her according to knowledge. Have you learned? Now, there are other variables that are here, like staying attractive. We're being honest. How you looked on your wedding day, strive to maintain it. Ooh, we strive to maintain it. Or get better. If you are working out before I do, still work out after I do. Uh, forever is a long time for you to fall off. Just because you got me doesn't mean that don't, don't go back to the ellipticals. Keep doing it. Forever is a long time for you to get lazy. Gosh, this is helping somebody. Number two, is she emotionally valued? You said, hey, babe, and you mean Y'all argued. You disrespected her. Or you disrespected him. Emotionally valued. A woman who does not feel emotionally valued does not want to have lovemaking. Does she have a right to say no? No, she doesn't. Because biblically, both of your bodies are each other's. 24-7, like IHOP. Kids stay open. <laughs> Bible. But if you're a kingdom man, you want to know what's bothering you. I don't know how you could get aroused and you see her face is hurt. How, how could you ask for that and you see that something has her disgruntled? Are you really a kingdom man? Because you could be able to see my wife is hurting. And if I could still want to have intimacy without approaching the hurt, that speaks volume of a broken heart. Or it goes back to that plunger behavior. You watch porn, these women moan and groan, but they take six and seven pills before scenes. They have to get drunk to do it, and they scream and they moan, and you think that's what sex is. But they're, they're selling you a false advertisement. That's not real. It's like seeing a burger commercial on TV, and you go buy it, and it's this small. It's not real. It's not real. So unlearning, how do you feel loved? How do you feel served? This is what makes intimacy special. If she doesn't feel attractive to you, if she doesn't feel sexy to you, her sex drive is affected. This is so good, y'all. Proverbs 5, verse 15. We're talking about faithfulness. It says, drink water from your own cistern. Run in water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the street, your streams of water in public squares, let them be your... Yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. This is my favorite passage, brothers. May your breast satisfy you always. May you be intoxicated with her love. That's Bible. Her breast should satisfy you. Not several breasts. Number three, he uses the sex trap to sabotage future marriages. Ephesians 4, verse 27, it says, And do not give 
the devil a foothold. That's like a foot. You're trying to shut the door, and he's like, no, I still got access in. Being together alone while unmarried is a foothold. It's a foothold. And so what the text is trying to get us to see is that when you open doors that were never designed to be open, it can become harder for you in covenant to close them. I must fast. And what was not on the stream last week that I said publicly, I have to say again. The practical part of this is by releasing the same exact chemicals in the brain. When you are having sex, your brain releases endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and it lowers your cortisol. That's your stress hormone. When you are working out, when you are laughing, when you are doing something you enjoy, the brain releases endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and lowers your cortisol level. That's your stress hormone. So it's not just breaking it here. It's also understanding how the brain works. The same chemicals that you're releasing when you watch porn, you release when you work out. Same exact chemicals. If you study yourself, to recognize how is my body responding to this and find a godly way to produce the same chemical. Is this making sense? Number four, he uses the sex track to discredit ministries. You know why a lot of people don't trust leadership? Because of all of the leader slip. We're human, but we have a lot of leader slip and less leadership. And so people will walk away from God. Listen, I'm saying this publicly and in this house. You don't believe in Jerry Flowers. You believe in Jesus Christ. Period. Church hurt is not an excuse for you to walk away from Jesus. You can walk away from that particular church, but you don't walk away from Jesus. And any church and any ministry that's making much of the pastor, this is how it happens. Because when a pastor lets you down, since you believed in the pastor and not in Jesus, you walk away from all of it. You don't believe in me. You believe in Jesus. I'm just a vessel, imperfect, flawed, dirt-filled pot man. That needs Jesus just like the crackhead. That needs Jesus just like the prostitute. That needs Jesus just like the next man. There is nothing better than in me. He uses it to discredit ministries. And lastly, he uses the sex trap as a form to pass on the spirit of perversion in the form of molestation. He uses the sex trap in the form of perversion that comes as molestation. Everybody's issue is not sex. It's somebody took it. It's the unwanted touch. That's what molestation is. It's the unwanted touch. That was for my husband, my wife, not your perversion. And these are traps. Notice, last week we said it. Notice the evils around sex. Rape, murder, child pornography, pornography, human trafficking, sex trafficking all around sex so why is the church not talking about this enough in not a judging way but trying to show you this is God's way and you were designed to glorify him in your body not glorify you was this good